Well, welcome everyone back to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsyth alongside Mike Howerton. And as always, we're brought to you by Lucasi Hybrid Cues, the TAP system, and Simonis Billiard Cloth. Mike, how are you? I'm good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit excited, more so than normal. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you so excited about? Um, well, as you well know, and, and some of our readers probably, or our listeners probably don't, um, besides uh, being a billiards webmaster, I am a computer geek. And as a computer geek, it's when you can find a new project that interests you, you get excited about it. Because if you do the same thing over and over again, I guess if you if you shoot the same drill over and over again, you get bored with it and you want to move on to something else. And as you well know, I've, I've thought up a project <laughs> that I'm going to spend some time on over the next week or so. Uh, I'm actually excited about it, and our listeners will have a chance to see this project in action during Turning Stone, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. You just sort of laid the glove down on yourself, didn't you? I'm, I think it's going to be fun. But, you know, I've been wrong before, so... It'd be fun, but is it is it doable? That's a pretty close time frame. I think it's doable. I mean, you okay. and I both know about projects taking forever. Yeah, don't we, though? <laughs> well, that's the future. Let's talk about the recent past since our last show. We went to a little event up in Virginia. Yeah, a little event. A few hundred players. And, of course, like everything recently, it turned out to be the Darren Show. Yeah. Um, second win for Darren Appleton at the U.S. Open. Second straight undefeated win, which Darren mentioned on his Facebook that he thought he was the only player who had won the event back-to-back undefeated, and I have not notified Darren of it yet, but he was the second player to do so. Won't be too hard to figure out who the first player was. I believe that might be Nick Varner. And an interesting side note, when I was talking to Nick trying to verify this, Nick actually took the hot seat. Well, actually, let's back up. Nick won the event in 89 and 90. He took the hot seat in 88 and was double-dipped by Mike LeBron in the finals. Which I would have bet the wrong way all day long. Now, here's another interesting tidbit that Nick filled me in on. Uh, as we all know, Earl Strickland has won the event five times. Now, not he didn't win it back-to-back any of those times, but he's won the event five times. Did you know that the five times he won the U.S. Open, he was undefeated every time, and every time he has gotten to the finals of the event, he has won it? Wow. And that's interesting trivia. Which is not surprising. Did you know that in every one of those wins, he turned around and talked to the audience? No, not Earl. <laughs> you know, Earl had another good event uh, this year. He he always has a good U.S. Open. Yeah. I mean... He always plays. You say a good U.S. Open. I'm sure if you ask Earl, he'll say he was disappointed in his finish, but... Of course. You know... Love him or hate him, which, you know, you and I have both had run-ins with Earl, but I don't have any problem with him. Um, 
I mean, he's a fun player to watch. He's he's passionate about what he does, and you can't fault a man for being passionate about what he does. True. Darren's passionate about what he does, too. And successful. Yes, he is. Um, the match that he played against Jason Klatt still just blows me away. Sit in the chair and watch a guy run seven on you and come out of the chair and win the match from 7-2 down. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, Jason had a... Well, I'd say he had a great tournament. He played well. Um, Sarah made a comment, Sarah Rousey, which she's now Sarah Klatt. Um, congratulations to the two of them. Um, she made a comment that, that Jason was really the strongest nine-ball player out of Canada right now, and I, I wouldn't question that one bit. I don't know anyone that would disagree with that or could. Although the strongest player playing in Canada a week ago was Johnny Archer. Johnny Archer. Yes. Yeah. But that's another tournament. Yeah, and his buddy Sean Putnam came in second. But that's, like you say, that's another thing to talk about. One thing that at the U.S. Open that we were privileged to witness was the induction into the Hall of Fame of two great guys, uh, Ralph Suquet, Danny DiLiberto, and uh, a memorable evening. Absolutely. That is that is always the high point of the trip. Um, you know, seven days of, of watching beads being moved across the lights on tables uh, can get kind of old, but but watching those players get inducted and watching the the emotion on their faces and, and also the, the chance to see the other Hall of Fame players there. Um, you know, when uh, when Danny was being inducted, and, and Danny loves to tell stories, and he was telling about some of the, the wins that he's had in his career, and he spoke up and said, you know, he says, I even played Earl Strickland, and I beat him a few times. And he looked down at Earl, and the look on Earl's face was priceless. He, he, he had this look on his face like, what are you talking about? You've never beaten me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, U.S. Open is... Uh... <laughs> such such an interesting week every year and the, you're talking about moving beads across it just always destroys me how many times we see players forget to move their bead when they win a match or win a game it seems like it's usually something that breaks their rhythm they have some kind of a rhythm where they make the nine ball they go to their chair they they wipe their cue down they do whatever they're going to do in between racks. They pick up their break cue. They walk to the table. They move the bead. They come around to break. But if something breaks their rhythm, a player takes a break. There's problems with the rack. It happens then. Say, so if a player takes a break, that's when it happens. Um, and and we saw it cost at least one player his place in the tournament. I mean, he was he was knocked out of the event because he forgot to move his bead and lost on the hill. Uh, just sad, and, and I know our listeners are going, why didn't you say something? It's because we're forbidden to say anything. This subject came up many, many, many years ago, and the tournament directors uh, instructed us, and I think they're right. You're an observer of the event. You're not in the event. Yeah. Mind your own business. It was a, a big win for Darren, his second win. Um Followed it up with a win at the Challenge Champions, uh, so he's had a, a real good two or three weeks. Um, he's 
He's partying up and down the European coast right now. We're trying to line him up for an interview, but every time you get him on the phone, all you hear is screaming and hollering. It, it, it's probably <laughs> the, the loudest place in the in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So Darren's win was not the only one that took place at uh, the Mohegan Sun. They also had the Ladies Tournament of Champions. That was won by Guy Young. And you know, off the wow. top of my head, I, I don't remember who she beat in the finals. Do you remember? No, but who cares? As long as Guy <laughs> Young wins, I'm happy. I just love Guy Young. <laughs> I like her attitude. And the pirate shirt. Yeah, and the pirate shirt. <laughs> So let's see, after the Tournament of Champions, we uh, had the Women's 10-Ball Championship. Uh, that was in Manila, won by Kelly Fisher. A uh, couple surprises out of that tournament. Um, Allison Fisher finished, uh, I want to say, 17th. Jasmine mm-hmm. finished 17th. Uh, Monica Webb finished 17th. Really surprising finishes from, from those players. Well, there were a lot of awfully strong horses in that tournament. I mean, it was limited to 48 players, if I'm correct. So there's easily 48 strong women uh, in this world that play pool, and a lot of them from China and the Philippines, and they were all there. It was a very strong field. And the level of play amongst the ladies is is definitely on the rise again, Um, just as we've seen the Asian players on the men's side propel the level of play. Uh, the women's side has done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that we didn't touch on when we talked about the U.S. Open was that was the final points event for Moscone Cup. Oh, golly, it was. And um, what a heartbreak there for Dennis Hatch, huh? Absolutely. Um we were we were sitting up in the stands late on day six. You had already headed back to the hotel room. Um, yeah. And Johnny came up, and we were trying to figure out the, the math, and it appeared on the evening of day six that Dennis was going to need to finish in third place in order to make it to number five on the, the U.S. list. And there wasn't right. even a guarantee that Matchroom was going to pick all five based on the points list entirely. Right. Right. And right. we also knew that Huji C needed a third place finish in order to make it for the European team. And if he didn't make it, that was going to mean that Nils made it, his countryman. So Nils was sitting up there with us, sweating Huji's matches. I mean, that had to be brutal because you're rooting wow. for your, your countrymen, but you're not rooting for your countrymen. Golly, what an awkward position to be in, especially for a nice guy like Nils. Yeah, and, and we missed the the possibility because Dennis and Huji were heading towards a match for third and fourth. So had they both continued winning, Sean Putnam destroyed that whole bit of excitement for us, but had they both continued winning, they would have played for third place, and ultimately they would have played for the Moscone Cup position on their own teams. Wow. And and I can't believe that they said over the loudspeaker oh, after Dennis got knocked out, it's okay because he still made the team. I mean, I, I heard that he was calling making reservations that night after hearing it, and, and there was no reason to make that comment. No, um, mistakes are made. That one was one that um, turned out to be pretty pretty hurtful 
but uh, who would it, who would it, who would Dennis have knocked off the team had he finished third? I believe he would have knocked Rodney off the team. Wow! Yeah, that makes Rodney's win at Turning Stone even more important. Oh yeah, it does. That was uh, that was uh, fifteen points or so difference had he made had he finished in second. Well, and it wow. just goes to show you that every event leading up, you know, every event throughout the year is an important event. These guys can't, can't, you know, get lax at an event. You know, you, they may not want to go to this event or they may not want to go to that event, but, but they've got to be there. I mean, Matchroom, Matchroom puts something interesting together. I mean, they've tried different things to to determine who the players are going to be, and I liked the point system this year. I thought it was is I thought it was a lot of fun to follow. I did too, and of course, there's huge changes coming up this year. We had 12 ranking events in um, 2000 in this year, 2011. Uh, in 2012, we're going to have either four or five, and two of those clash with the uh, potential bonus ball schedule. So that's if the Seminoles don't come back with their events, and we can't, we don't know about that until December. It's going to be an interesting year next year, and and we don't, we could spend two or three. Heck, we have spent shows talking about what's what's led to what we're going to have next year. But the only thing I have to say about it is we got to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, we better be attracting some money into this game, and, and that's one good thing about bonus ball. But, boy, you know, there's only two events that clash with the bonus ball, and it would be so easy for the – or it seems on our side without knowing the inside. It would seem to be so easy to have two bye weeks in bonus ball so that those – Two of our, you know, nearly half of our points events don't get harmed by the existence of bonus ball. That that way, the managers of bonus ball could come out looking like very good guys, uh, cooperating with um, other people in the game, and um, not uh, having their actions uh, harm long-term promoters. Well, you know, on the subject of of it would it seems so easy. Um... I'm the one who enters the tournament payouts on Daisy Billiards, and part of the process that I go through in entering those payouts is to enter what tour the event belongs to. And it occurred to me the other day, I'm entering an awful lot of payouts that are quote-unquote independent events. We've talked many, many, many times about where the game's at, and, and we can't find sponsorship and that sort of thing. But you just had a major event over in Canada that paid $7,000 to first place. I don't know how much money was added, but there had to have been ten, fifteen thousand at least added there. You've got sure. the big-time challenge matches going on in the Philippines, uh, which Ralph Suquet just defeated Dennis Orcoyo and is getting ready to play, I believe, uh, Beato this week. But that's $5,000 to the winner and 2500 to the loser. So there are sponsors putting 7500 a week into that for three or four weeks. There's right. 
events in the Philippines, there's events in China. I mean, yeah, if you want to look at things and say we're in this terrible position and it's it, the game is struggling, somebody, and again, I think we could do a whole show on who that somebody could or should be, but somebody, it seems, could step up and try to bring these different entities together for the betterment of the game and, and let them do what they're doing. You want to run a $15,000 added event? Great! Let's find a way to make that event part of the bigger picture and let's build the game. Yeah, good luck on hurting those house yeah. cats altogether. But I, I, I sympathize with your, your thoughts. Uh, you know, we could go on like this forever, but um, we have somebody pretty important on the line. Well, Mom always taught me that it's not polite to make a woman wait. So, without any further ado... We have our current and brand new World Timball Champion, Kelly Fisher. Kelly, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was uh, quite a win, and many people don't know that you... Uh, actually took third in this very same event last year, so you sort of had a, a taste in your mouth for this win, didn't you? That's right, yes. I got to the semifinals last year and uh, actually got beat by Jasmine that went on to win it. So uh, certainly this year, once I got in the final, um, of course, like anyone, my goal was was to you know get the job done and win it, but uh, I'm absolutely ecstatic. Um, and I'm not sure it's sunk in yet. I'm over the moon, so really, really happy. One question. When you were on your way to this tournament, did you feel like you were going to have a hot event? Did you feel good going in? Well, I've had quite a rocky season. Um, you know, I mean, my last uh, tournament win was two years ago, so the last couple of years have been tough. I've had a few second-place finishers. And, uh, you know, some third and fourth place finishes, um, in them two years. But just, I was gunning in each and every event to just, to just get a good win under my belt. Of course, going, um, to the Philippines, I do enjoy it there and seem to perform, perform pretty well there. Um, being the Philippine Open, I got second place this year and last year, third place in that World Temple Championship. So, of course, you know, I feel like I felt that I was playing very good and I have been. So um, I was just looking forward to the event and, you know, of course, going there to try and do the best I can. Um, nor did I imagine I was going to, to win the world title, although that was definitely my, my intended goal. Like every I event, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Well, Kelly, it's it's been a while since we've heard... Uh, well, it's been a while since the ladies have been the news of the day. Um, you know, the, the WPBA has, has cut back drastically on their events. Uh, but you guys are in action this week. Uh, you guys are in Oregon, right? That's right. I mean, we've got the WPBA Tour Championship this week. Um, back in Chinook Wins Casino in Oregon, in Lincoln City, Oregon. And uh, we we weren't here last year. And they brought us back this year. We've, we've, uh, we've got it back this year and next year. And, you know, it's a great great event that we've had for many years so very happy to be back here and it's our big event of the year so very pleased about that i've i've been there i was there two or three years ago uh for the event it was a really a nice venue 
Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of press coming out of the WPBA lately. I mean, what's going on? Do you guys have things lined up for next year? Uh, is there a positive vibe in the air there in Oregon? You know, what's what's going on? Well, um, definitely this year has been, uh, as you know, there's not been many events. And, um, you know, it's everybody's obviously wanting and, and trying to uh, get more events. I think we're looking positive next year. And for certainly uh, increasing on this year's event schedule. So, you know, I mean, um, the economy is tough. There's, there's been, you know, a lot of things with it, especially casinos with the economy and stuff. I think it's, it's quite tough out there. Um, but certainly uh, it's looking positive hopefully for next year. And, uh, you know, the more events we can get, obviously, the better for WPBA. Um, to push forward on. So, you know, I think next year might be might be a positive year and, and certainly um, we can increase on this year for sure. Well, the prize money from the, the World 10-Ball Championship has got to help, but with the WPBA cutting back on their number of events, that cuts back on the number of opportunities that a player like you has to, to earn income. Um, how That's are the right. players handling <laughs> it this year? Well, um, we've, we've Certainly, you know, it's, it's definitely tough when you're doing it for a profession. Um, obviously, the less events, like you said, Mike, the, the, the less income potential. Um, however, we've had a, a vast amount of events over in Asia. Um, you know, it's certainly uh, we've been traveling backwards and forwards there <laughs> quite a lot this year. And, um, you know, there have been many events. There's a lot of world events going on. So I definitely feel a positive vibe as far as for the, the ladies' billiards as a whole, and um, certainly worldwide. There's a lot going on in China, so that's opened up potential earnings for, for all the ladies and all the international players. So it's uh, you know I feel a positive vibe all round. I think we're on the way up again, and um, looking forward to see what 2012 brings. You know, this is a question that that we've talked about numerous times before um the wpba and really the whole women's game um it was dominated by the american players and then the europeans you and karen and allison kind of advanced the game to the next level and started dominating the game now we're starting to see the the rise of these players from asia uh I mean, what are you seeing out there playing in these international events, playing against these these uh, Asian girls who, you know, weren't even alive when you were first hitting balls? <laughs> That's right. I mean, uh, the, the, the quality and the standard of play um, out there is amazing. I mean, you know, there's, there's young girls, 11, 12-year-olds, uh, you can watch them practicing away and they can, they're firing them from everywhere, but, uh, you know, seeing Chen being only 18 years old and has so far some absolutely fantastic results, and I'm sure she's going to continue to do so and have a great career. Um, the standard place, like I say, it's, 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 it's fantastic, and we've really got, <laughs> everybody's got to bring their A game um, to be winning any of these events, so that makes, obviously, my win it feel even more special with, with the standard play. Um, but yeah, the the Chinese players and uh, the Asian players as a whole really are starting younger and younger. They get a lot of uh, support from their country, and um, you know it's certainly you can see that because the standard of play at such a young age 
is getting better and better and better. Uh, when I look back over your record, Kelly, it's phenomenal how consistent you are. I mean, I can go back year after year, and you're usually on the podium almost always in the top five. You are <laughs> Thank just you. Yeah. tremendously consistent. Your, your competitive fire never seems to go out. When I go way <laughs> back in your career to your snooker days, mm-hmm. you were unfreaking believable. In 2001 yeah. and 2002, you won 10 consecutive tournaments. You won the three successful World Lady Snooker Championships. And you yep. won five in you won five in, in like six, seven years. Um, That's right. Yep. And, and then, all of a sudden, the women's game just went away. The governing body over there gave up women's snooker. There has to be a story there of which I'm unaware. Is there? What what happened? What was the announcement? Well, basically, what happened um, is in the UK, the the largest sponsor for the for the snooker was um, a tobacco product, and um, the the government stopped tobacco product advertising and sponsoring sport sporting events, and so. That really hit the snooker industry at the time. Um, it really hit the, the the whole industry, and um, basically, basically took away um, our major sponsor, which in turn they struggled to to replace um, the women for the women. So we had no events scheduled for 2004, and that's that's basically when I decided to come to America. So, so you got thrown into pool, like it or leave it. So. How do you like it? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. um, I love it. I mean, you know, it was a new challenge. It was a big, obviously, a big step to take. um, But it it was a new challenge, a new beginning, and uh, a whole new set of goals. So uh, certainly as a competitor, you know, it was... uh, I I was excited, and and I've I've always been, you know, my my goal was to win a world title in pool, and uh, that that was what I come here to do from back in 2004 so you know I've, I've, I've certainly very happy with my career as it's gone and uh, don't want to stop there you know I'm going to go and continue to set my own goals for more and more and uh, keep going I'll probably be here for for some years I hope yet to come <laughs> well I have no doubt of that because that was one stellar field that you just watched your way through in the Philippines. Uh, Thank you. Very, very impressive win. Kelly, there was a time when um, a number of the European uh, WPBA players basically uh, made their home in the, the Carolinas. Is that is that still going on? Are you still a number of you living up in that area? Yes, yes, there is a number of us living there. Um, and it's all, you know, I mean, I, I actually, uh, myself and Valfini moved there Purely, we got sponsored by Fury, um, which is based in in Matthews, North Carolina, and that's how we ended up there. Everybody has their own story how they ended up there, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, there's quite a few of us still living in that area for sure. Um, but yeah, everybody has their own reason. It's kind of we all ended up there, as opposed to it was a plan thing. <laughs> do you uh, do you take advantage of that proximity and keep each other's games sharp? Practicing amongst yourselves, or do you just only see each other at tournaments? 
Um, well, that's, I mean, we have had uh, some practice sessions um, between us all, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think it's as, as regular as people may think, but, um, you know, we're all good friends off the table, so we keep in touch and... Uh, it's just, yeah, but we don't practice every day or anything like that together. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great having everybody, you know, close by if uh, if you want to get a good sparring partner. Now, you mentioned that you're sponsored by Fury. Do you have other sponsors besides Fury at the moment? No, at the moment, my, my own sponsor is uh, Fury. And um, I've, I've been doing a lot of promotional work in China. Uh, for them, you know, it's been uh, that they've been really pushing out. They've been sponsoring a lot of events in China, and um, we've been doing a lot of promotional tours. I've been spending a lot of time out there, really promoting uh, the Fury brand. Uh, if I can jump in on that, uh, John Barton, who of course is a um, major member of the Fury family uh, and the Sterling Gaming family. Um, mm hmm jumped on the forums the other day and said that he would like to stake you in a race to 100 action set against any player in any female player in the world. Wow. <laughs> John's always, John's fantastic. He's a great, great friend and a, a great fan of mine. And, you know, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, uh, he definitely certainly enjoys, you know, and wants, wants me to do well. And, um, I know. I actually have read it bits and pieces of that. So yeah, I know about that. He actually said that before you won the event. I know. I know. I did read it. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's got a lot of faith in me, which I love about him. That's great. <laughs> John's helped me immensely. Uh, you know, back when I first moved over to America, John helped me. Um, obviously, I've caught, I was transitioning from snooker to pool, and there was so much I had to learn. And John's uh, played for many years. He showed me some great practice drills, some great shots, and some stuff I needed to work on. And ever since then, we've been really good friends. And like I say, he's got a lot of faith in me. Bless him. So. <laughs> well, we tell him we have friends in the streaming business. We can uh, we can help with that. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll see what we can set up. <laughs> uh, I'll have to ask John first, of course. It's his call. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Kelly, <laughs> congratulations again. That was it was so nice to, to see your smiling face under all that confetti. Um <laughs> certainly deserve it. Uh, and uh, I think it's an overdue title, and I'm sure that uh, it's just the first of many more world titles for you to come. Thanks very much for visiting with us today. Thank you very much. I hope you're right. <laughs> I'll be still catching hard and hopefully can uh, carry on with some good wins in the future. Okay. We'll see you down the road, Kelly. Goodbye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. Well, that is one uh, happy champion and uh, – Boy, what a deserving champion, huh? Definitely. Kelly uh, Kelly has always been a class act. Um, you know, the time that, that I spent uh, going to all the WPBA events a couple years ago, uh, you know, she always had a smile on her face. Uh, just very pleased for her. And, and I mean, it's it's got to feel amazing to accomplish a goal like that and to know that for that week she was the best female player out there. Yeah, and, I mean, she's been one of the best 
for a long time. You look at her record, and it's just a display of single digits. But she needed this on her resume. She needed this world title, and now that she's got it, uh, I, th I think it's going to even propel her even further on down the road. I really do. And and all success to her, like you say. Very be interesting nicely. to see how she does this week in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, is she worn out? Is she is she mentally let down now that she won a world title? Is she is she going to be able to focus uh, back on the game this quickly? Uh, it'll be interesting to watch. However, before we talked to her, we were solving all the problems <laughs> of pool in the world, and you were doing a great job of it. So I'm just going to turn the floor back over to you, and you let you tell us how to patch this whole thing up. Something that's been it's been eating at me for a week, and, and there's no better place to, to deal with these things that eat at us than uh, on a microphone so that everyone can listen. Um, I, want to, I want to welcome our friends uh, at the Action Report back to the world of podcasting. They have started a live podcast. Last week was their first one. You can go to theactionreport.com. It's theactionreport.com, not just actionreport.com. Uh, Justin over there is uh, is hosting this podcast. They did an hour-long show, him and Mark Griffin. I listened to the entire show. I didn't get a chance to listen to it or watch it live, but uh, threw it on the iPhone and, and listened to it when I was in the car. thought it was a very good show. Um, a little bit one-sided, but... It's, it's Mark Griffin, and, and it's Mark taking an opportunity to present his viewpoint, which is going to be his viewpoint. I mean, in the, in the politically charged billiards world, there really aren't very many neutral people. And, and some of the things that he said, I think, were good to get out there. You know, Mark can say what's on his mind sometimes a little bit better than you or I can because we have to deal with these people, uh, you know, in day-to-day -day life. You can't very well come out and, and say, I think uh, Darren Appleton's a horrible pool player if you're going to be looking to interview Darren in a week. Um, you know, that doesn't work right, very well. Right, right. However, there was one thing towards the end of the show that really stuck in my craw, and I feel that it's important to get this out there. And... Again, I want to preface this with the BCA Pool Leagues are one of our advertisers on Easy Billiards. Uh, we have, have done business with Mark and Justin numerous times. At the same time, the APA Pool Leagues are one of our advertisers. Uh, so if anyone wants to just say, oh, yeah, you know, you're just saying this because they're an advertiser. Well, whether I am or not, a fact is a fact. Can I, can I say that the TAP League is a even bigger Absolutely. advertiser? I mean, we have lots we have lots of leagues, and we have another league that's getting ready to come on board as an advertiser. Absolutely. Um, the part that bothered me is the the softball question because Justin and Mark were taking questions from the chat room during their their podcast, and the softball question was lobbed up there to Mark: If the APA were to do for the pro pool scene, what the BCA is doing, how would that affect the pro pool scene? And Mark took that lobbed pitch and knocked it out of the park and said, everything would be solved. The, the impression that, what, is, what does the APA have? Like 150,000, 200,000 players in their leagues? 
I, I haven't checked the numbers lately. It's let's, a lot. Let's, yeah. We'll guess low. We'll say 100,000 players, and we'll say the BCA pool leagues have 50,000 players, which I know neither one of those numbers are correct. But right. the impression is out there that the BCA pool leagues are taking 50 cents a week from the dues of every one of their 50,000 players and putting it in a fund to fund the men's pro game. And if the APA did the same thing, then all the problems would be solved and we'd all be, you know, partying up and down the, the European coast like Darren Appleton. But BCA pool leagues are not taking money out of their weekly dues. It's the USA pool leagues, which USA is a completely different league right. that this was set up as part of, of what they were going to do before they were ever formed. Mark City was going to form this new pool league and a portion of the weekly dues would be set aside for the pro pool scene. It's not the BCA Pool League, it's the USA Pool League. And I suspect the BCA Pool League is not doing the same thing for the same reason that the APA Pool League is not taking money out of their dues every week. It's not part of their business plan. You're telling me, well, if the APA Pool League took 50 cents out of every player's dues every week, well, let's say they have 100,000 players. So, yeah, if the APA took $50,000 a week and put it towards the men's pro pool scene, that would fix all the problems. Well, if any business took $50,000 out of their weekly dues, um, that would change a lot of things as well as their bottom line. And in addition to that, I have heard it said so many times, the APA has done nothing for professional pool. The APA has sponsored the WPBA for mid five figures every year for the last five or six years. There's no question of them not doing anything. We're talking about probably well over $250,000 over five years that they have sponsored the WPBA with. And I would believe that if that sponsorship hadn't been there, the WPBA probably wouldn't be where it is today. And the reason they sponsor the WPBA is because the WPBA has an organization. The WPBA players have been able to step back from the whole situation and say, we may not agree with everything that's going on, but we feel it's in our best interest to let one organization make these decisions for us that is looking out for more than just, we got to get paid. And, and I will now step back yeah. off of my soapbox and, you know, besides that, I loved the podcast. I thought it was outstanding. Um, they they talked about a number of great things. They talked about bonus ball. They talked about the the move to the Rio. They talked about the ABP. A lot of things that need to be talked about in this industry. I, I welcome the podcast, and I look forward to listening to it every week. And I, Justin, Mark, feel free when we talk about something and you don't agree with it. Have at it, and and sometime down the road, maybe we'll we'll do a joint podcast where we can, uh, you know, have one show that uh, we both get together and do. They even talked about um, some announcer that's going to be doing the the next tar match. Um, I mean, the the big one is of course uh, Ken Schumann, but who was that other guy they're having on there? Uh, they picked up some midget from somewhere. I don't know. Guy can't make a ball to save his life. Couldn't if he had to. <laughs> but I'm going to enjoy doing it anyway. <laughs> now, now that you put your fuse back in your pocket, yes. Um, 
what else have we got? <laughs> I, I agree with what you said. Uh, I think uh, uh, it's too much to ask any one organization to solve all the problems of ProPool. For one thing, ProPool itself needs to join in the discussion of, of solving the problems with ProPool. And that needs to happen first, is let's get a forum of discussion together and uh, see if the industry can make a team out of uh, manufacturers and players and media and uh, get the game moving in the right direction. But that first step's got to be made by somebody. Definitely. So what else we got? That's pretty much it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to work on this project. Well, you get back to work on that project. I'll get to work on polishing up my commentary skills because I've got to do that tar match and then the Moscone Cup, and I'm really looking forward to both of those. And then you and I will be back up in Verona, New York, in knee-deep snow. You know, I talked to Mike um, yesterday, I believe, and he was making a comment about how the field was uh, sizing up for that event. Uh, he said uh, he thought Darren was going to be over his hangover by then, and Darren had uh, said he was sending in, in his entry fee. Uh, I believe Earl is going to be there, and you know you know, Johnny's going to be there. I mean, they have a suite that's named after him now. Um, you figure Rodney and Dennis, and, and maybe Dennis will get that big win at Turning Stone that he's been looking for. Yeah, and with so few points events being on the calendar for next year, that makes this event very, very important. It's going to be fun. Yes, it will. Folks, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with another show as soon as we have something to talk about. We are brought to you by Lukashi Hybrid Cues, The Tap League System, and Simonis Billiard Cloth. We appreciate them. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.